Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. Yes. You've been so good, so kind, so faithful yes. to us. You were mindful of us when we weren't even thinking about you. Thank the you. Bible says that when we were yet in our sin, you were reconciling us back to you. And yes. for that, we just say thank you this morning, God. And we thank you for a turning in our hearts that we counted a joy and a privilege to obey you because your commandments, they are not grievous. It is so easy to obey you and we do it for the joy that is set before us. God, we pray that you would just give us a tender heart towards yes. you, that our heart is just so tender yes. towards you, yes. that yes. even when we have thoughts that are contrary to your word and desires that are contrary to the word, that nothing matters more than pleasing you and honoring you and partnering with you so your will can be done, Father. We thank you that as we set our hearts in this position of obedience from this place of love, that there will be supernatural breakthrough, even yes. people who have been struggling with things and just warring to get free from things, that there will be a supernatural grace release to, to make obedience easy in Jesus' name. We thank you. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. Prune, correct, lead, guide, and direct. And we thank you for the signs, wonders, and miracles that will accompany this word. We thank you even now for the supernatural breakthroughs that will come because your people have decided to obey you. In Jesus' in name, Jesus amen. 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 Listen, you guys know that one of the things we talk about a lot uh, here at Fellowship of Champions is, is obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. <laughs> and they go hand in hand. And so if you followed our teaching for any length of time, then we are sure that you have heard us speak on the topic of faith before. Uh, and, and we believe that faith is incredibly important. But what we also know is that you can't you can't be in faith and disobedience at the you same cannot. time. You cannot be in faith and be in disobedience at the same time. With no doubt, you've heard us talk about uh, Romans 1 and 17, where it says that the just shall live by faith. Or, or I like to, to, to synthesize that and say, you ought to just live by faith. You ought to just, live, ought to by just live by faith. But if you're going to just live by faith, that also is synonymous with saying you ought to just live by obedience you ought to just live by because obedience. they go hand in hand. The Bible also tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And that was the example that you started off with when the Lord had me, to, when I was driving to Conway for the meeting that time, he didn't tell me everything that was going to happen. You know how he said to me, uh, I want you to go to this gas station you don't like going to. There's going to be somebody there who had to flee from a storm. They're not going to have money. They're trying to get to, to Kansas City, which from Russellville is probably what, five and a half hours away or so. Uh, and, and, their, and their wife's in the hospital or their child's in the hospital mm -hmm. and the wife is there and you got to get, he'd have told me all that. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Lord. I'll do it. Lord. I'll, I'd love to do it, Lord. But he's not obligated to do all of that. What he's obligated to do is to tell me to do something. And then my, my faith in him and who he is and my obedience to him takes me to the next step. Um, and I think that that's the thing that people don't realize, right? When you're born again, we're all children of God, sure. right? But your children aren't necessarily your friends. Right. And I was actually reading something about it. You but know, maturity brings your children to friendship. Maturity brings your children to friendship, yes. right? So when Jesus said, there are these things I want to tell you, he was like, I'm inviting you to a different level mm -hmm. of maturity with me. So I actually can tell you mm -hmm. why I'm giving you an mm -hmm. instruction. But right now I need to judge your faithfulness. Yeah. Will you obey even when yeah. it doesn't make sense? Will you go even when you don't want to? Will you be a blessing when you know they talked yeah. about you, right? Yeah. Because he says that is the way it is my faithfulness here. It is my faithfulness over 
over the little instruction that makes me ruler over a bunch of things, Absolutely. right? And I'm telling you, one of the reasons that the enemy wars so hard to get us to live in our flesh is that he knows that he can keep us in captivity mm -hmm. and keep us from being the releases of other people's captivity if we're stuck in this perpetual place of disobeying God. Absolutely, which is why the Bible tells us uh, in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, without it's, faith it's, it's impossible, impossible to, please God. to please God. In fact, he says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God because they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it really, for me, to break that down in its most elementary form is to say, number one, if you trust God and you believe God is good, then when God tells you something, you shouldn't be afraid to do it because you know he's not trying to harm you. It's like it's the most elementary thing. Why are you? Why would I want to disobey God when God doesn't have a habit of telling me to do things that's going to injure me? Come on. He's not like man. He, the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. So, so then Jesus, uh, the Father, who, when the Holy Spirit, when those three ask me to do something, then I don't have to have a fear of doing it because, number one, I know that they have my best intentions. Because the Bible says without faith. Now, think about this. James tells us this is not one of our scriptures on the screen today. But James says, hey, listen, if you want to show me your faith, I'll show you want to show me your faith by your words. I'm going to show you yep. my faith by my mm -hmm. obedience. Yes. Right. Yep. Faith is not biblical. Faith is not complete without obedience. Right. And this is important because, you know, we are a church that makes faith declarations. Yep. We believe in saying what God said, yes. but you can't say what God said and then do what God told you not to do. I think you're going to get what God said. Absolutely. I show my faith. I show my faith that I believe drinking water is valuable by drinking water, right. not by talking about it. And not I just believe. by buying cases of it. Not you just, can, you can on. buy cases of water and leave the water sitting there and it doesn't do anything for your body. So you can't really believe that water does you any good if you don't do anything with it. So you may know a lot of scripture, you may know a lot of things to do and not to do, but if you're not doing them, then they don't benefit the body. Well, that goes back to the scripture we used last week. I want to just grab it and then I will catch up. John 8 and 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth, truth shall make you free. Mm -hmm. I think that this is so important, particularly in a in a um, in a community where the people value intelligence. Mm -hmm. Right. In, in, in America, we think that because we can regurgitate something, yep. we know it. Yep. But this scripture right here, when it speaks of knowing, it means intimacy. Yes. It speaks to, it paints in the same way of intimacy between a man and a woman, right? Intercourse, to be, to be connected to it, right? So where we deceive ourselves sometimes is we think that because we can finish the Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, for example, when you go, well, without faith, I, I go, it's impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. We think that because we can finish it, that we're walking in faith. Right. But it says the truth that you know, the truth that you are intimately yes. acquainted with, that is the truth that makes you free. Yep. When you become intimately acquainted with healing scriptures, it produces healing. Mm -hmm. When you become intimately acquainted with seed time and harvest, it produces seed time and harvest, right? So don't just be a person who memorizes scripture, be a person who does scripture. You know, and here's the thing I, we tell our kids all the time, right? Obedience is a faith booster. 
Why do I say obedience is a faith booster? Because when you are obeying God and when you are doing the things that God has asked you to do, when you have to step out in faith, you have a confidence. You have a confidence. There's a confidence that comes with that. People who don't practice obedience, when they have to ask God for healing, when they have to ask, even though it's available to them, when they have to ask for it, there's a thing in their soul that's playing back to them that says you're not worthy of this because you have been disobedient. And we do people a disservice. By, by not talking about that. One of the things that you can do to ensure your confidence in what it is that God has promised to do is to learn to be obedient. Absolutely. Faith is critical in the kingdom of God. It's critical. Faith is critical in the kingdom. It took faith for us to even enter the kingdom. That's right. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You got to believe that. You got to believe but that. But then once you believe it, then you got to do it. You got to obey God enough to say, okay, I obey open my mouth. I declare that I'm a sinner. I declare that I need a savior. I declare that Jesus is that savior. I declare that I receive him. Now, if you if you don't have faith in that, then, then you won't even open your mouth to do it. Obedience gives us the confidence to do what it is that we need to do to step out on faith. Obedience allows us to be able to cast down the imaginations yes. of the enemy, yes. right? Well, because not only do we have our own conscience talking to us, sure. right? We then have the enemy talking to us, trying to tell us why we don't deserve what God says. Because the Bible is clear that we have an adversary. We have an adversary. And that adversary is known as an accuser of the brethren. Yes. So he uses our, he, he invites us to disobey. And then uses Ooh. that disobedience to accuse us. So it's like in order for you to silence the devil, one of the best things to do is to learn to be obedient. It's to learn to be obedient. That's what Jesus said when, yep. he, when he met, when the devil came, when Jesus was fasting and he tempted him and stuff, he gave him the word. Yep. He didn't do no bunch of back and forth. He nope. just gave him the word. But then it's, uh, and I know we did this scripture before, babe, and I know, I know, I know. But you, the scripture that we use where we says, do you not know that whom you obey? That whom you obey, that that's who has mm -hmm. mastery over you, mm -hmm. right? Romans 6 and 16, it says, do you not know that when you continually offer yourself to someone to do his will, you are the slaves to the one whom you obey? You're either going to be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness, yep. right? This is so important. So understand yes. that when God is asking us to obey, he's setting us up not to be a slave to the end. Enemy. You don't want to be a slave to the enemy. He a whole terrorist, y'all. He steals, he kills, he destroys, he manipulates, he he injures, he does all of this stuff. You do not want to be a slave to the devil, no, right? True. But you can be a born again believer. But if you are practicing disobedience, you are born again and called to live free and you're living in bondage. Man, throw down disobedience obedience today and say no you know what you don't you don't pull me in for the yeah. last time yeah. with that foolishness i can't see who said it because it just says facebook user but it's right that joker he invites us to disobey he tempts us to yeah. disobey it's the, what he did to eve god said don't eat the eat of this fruit he says did god really say that the reason and one of you gotta know that one of the manipulations of the enemy 
is always to make you think that the reason God asked you not to do something or to to do something is to keep something good from you. And, can, and, and it's going to sound tough, but but I think we talked about growing up and maturing. Come on. The enemy only tempts us with what's in us. So he doesn't he doesn't throw out random things per se that we have no that we have no desire for. The reason it is called a temptation is because we want it. You know, uh, if, if you take a food that you don't eat at all, something you can't stand, if somebody puts that out, it's not a temptation for it you to not, eat because you because you because you don't like it, you don't want it. But if but if, but if you're on a particular plan, an eating plan, I don't want to call it a diet, but you're eating a certain way, and and, and and somebody puts something out there, and it's something in you that still likes what's been put out there, you're now tempted. Because something in you is connecting to it. It's so good. one of the things that I've learned to do for my own personal life is to be self-aware of what I'm being tempted by. Because if I know what I'm being tempted by, I know what I need to crucify. But mm. if I don't know what I need to crucify, then I find I keep finding myself in situations where I'm being pulled away because I won't recognize and acknowledge there's something in me that still likes this thing. I give you an example. Let's say that somebody uh, is working on 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 how they respond to people. You know, uh, I can be I can be what they call I, I can have a slick mouth sometimes. Really? <laughs> you know, if somebody if somebody say something I don't like, mm -hmm. I have a propensity sometimes if I'm not careful to to say something. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I have a propensity to say something uh, back. This this, this kind of kind of petty or smart. So I have I have to know that about myself so that I give myself a chance to hear Holy Spirit. But if but if I always just say. Uh, well, I, it just is who I just am. Who I am, it just is what it is. Then I never give myself an opportunity to crucify that part of me. No, and that's so good because I think the thing is, and this is really the reason why people struggle to get free from sin. Right? The Bible says you're drawn away by the lust of your own, your own flesh. flesh. You're drawn away by the lust of your own flesh. But the truth of it is, is that there is a part of you in your flesh. That gets pleasure. Oh, that get you get pleasure. Oh, yeah. out of cutting somebody with your oh, words. Yeah, absolutely, this right? stimulates the same part of your brain that, that cocaine and, and 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 other dopamines and things oh, do. Okay. It does. Right. So, so right. when somebody says something slick and you say something slick or back, it, it feeds that part of your brain and you get that happy feeling. So then you want to do it again. So you need to understand that that's why the Bible tells us <laughs> don't be ignorant of Satan's yeah. temptations, right? If I don't know what I'm tempted by, I don't know what to put before the Lord. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to crucify. And then what I end up doing is what it says in James. I look in the mirror of the word mm -hmm. and I walk away and forget who I am. Yeah. And the other thing is this arrogance that, uh, listen, the gospel's really simple. The Bible says it's so simple, even a, child, a child can do it. And one of the things that I see in a lot of believers is that believers, a lot of believers really don't believe fat meat is greasy. Mm -hmm. And whatever it takes to get free yeah. is what it takes to stay free. At a minimum. At a minimum. Yes. And whatever it is, it takes to get free. So however the Lord had you, when he's bringing you out of something... 
That is what you're going to have to do to stay free. But sadly, a lot of believers begin to feel like, oh, I'm more mature than that. I know more scripture than I've ever known before. And what they do is that they end up being in a very arrogant position. And anytime you get in a prideful position, that now you think the word is optional, prayer is optional, that you think listening to instruction is optional, going to church is optional. Let me tell you something. You are on your way to the enemy taking you exactly where you don't want to go. And this is what the old saints used to say. The problem with sin is that it'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to be kept, and cost you more than you want to pay. And many of us have seen that. You get involved with a relationship. God told you not to date the person. You think you got it. You think you in control. You think you just playing games with them. And then when it's time to leave, you can't leave. Now you all caught up in the matrix and stuff. Let me tell you something. Obedience is your friend. Obedience is your friend. It is is your gateway to escaping captivity. It will help you escape captivity. And many of you, even now, you need to just forgive yourself for because even now there's somebody and the enemy is tormenting you because he's trying to tell you why you don't deserve to move forward. Because what he says to you is you should have known better. You should be further by now. You need to say, I forgive myself for not doing things God's way. And I accept his mercy that is new to me every Every day. day. And I'm not because here's the other thing that can really get people caught up. Yes, you made mistakes and yes, you've disobeyed God. And now God says, hey, Edwin, come to me. Mm -hmm. That's over, right? But then you keep letting the enemy make you rethink it, Mm -hmm. right? So now it's over, but now you think God won't help you today because of something you did last week or last month or last year. And you don't even realize that to continue to meditate on what God has freed you from is a form of disobedience. You don't even realize it's a form of disobedience. To not forgive yourself is a form of disobedience. That's why it's so important that we do what Matthew 6 and 33 says, to seek ye the kingdom and its righteousness. We need to understand. And that's not a one-time thing. It's a continuum. It's it's, it's not a, I sought the kingdom. I found righteousness. Now I don't have to do it again. No. In the same way that his mercies are new every day, I'm seeking his kingdom every day. I'm seeking seeking a new new revelation of what his kingdom brings to me and what it does for me. So I'm seeking, that's what I do first. The first thing I'm doing is I'm seeking his kingdom and I'm seeking his righteousness. He says all the other stuff will be taken care of. But one of the things that we cannot allow the enemy do is to continue to be a terrorist in our life. You know, when I, when I have I made mistakes? Absolutely. I have made mistakes. But when the enemy says to me, well, you know, you did so and so and so I go, you're right. But I'm new. It's a a new day. You don't get to talk to me about yesterday because I've got new mercies today and you have to you have to learn. And I'm going to actually do this whole teaching where I talk about um, uh, uh, the, the power of your mind and because many people are trapped in their past because they won't allow their mind to move toward their future. So this is so good. You don't know that I said this because I was talking to my mentee Mm -hmm. yesterday. Right. But I want to give you an illustration of what happens when somebody won't let go of the past. Okay. When when Lot and his wife are leaving the city, mm-hmm. right? And she, God says, don't look back, mm-hmm. right? But she looks back. She becomes a pillar of salt, which means that she is unable to move 
forward, right? Mm -hmm. Many of you, you are not physically turned into a pillar of salt, but because you continue to look back, you continue to look back to what they did. You continue to look back to what you did. You continue to look back to the mistakes, to the disappointment. You continue to recycle that. You're really living as a pillar of salt, unable to move forward mm -hmm. when God is inviting you to a new life. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand that while it may seem like this pious thing to continue to beat yourself up for the past, you literally are giving the devil permission to torment you. And me and Pastor Ed would say this. This is one of the moments that I knew I was going to marry him, right? We was having this conversation. We were talking about, what would you do if you had a stalker? Mm -hmm. What would you do if you had a stalker? And we both said at the same time, <laughs> we would stalk our stalker. Mm -hmm. So you would be in the bushes looking at my house and I would be in the bushes behind the bushes looking at you, <laughs> right? Because you're not going to terrorize me. In the natural, some of you are so quick to be slick mouthed with people. You are so quick so you be you still want to fight people if they throw your change down. But when the enemy does something in your mind or towards your family, nothing in you says get in the word and stalk the stalker. Now I'm going to stalk the stalker. You thought you were going to terrorize me, but I'm going to get in this word so I can terrorize you so that when you try to tell me about my past, I'm going to tell you about my future and who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I just think this is so important. You know, the kingdom has a way that it operates it just does. like any other government. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn how that government operates, if you don't learn how the kingdom of God operates, then you will you will be a citizen of the kingdom, but you won't be able to live to your maximum efficiency because you don't know how things work. I'm, I got to say this. Okay. I, no, I'm, I got to say this. Listen, some of you in your marriage right now, because you don't because you see your spouse as your enemy. You don't even realize that the enemy is using you to terrorize each other. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful things we ever did in our marriage is we stopped seeing each other as the enemy. And the one thing about us. And we used to say it verbally. We, we said it verbally. It. I'm not, I'm, your, I'm not your enemy. Yeah. I am not your enemy. Yeah. Because what happens is that the enemy tries to get you to deflect on the wrong enemy. Mm -hmm. Right. And the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. But when it's your husband talking crazy, you forget that the weapons of the warfare are not carnal. One of the most powerful stances we took was to say, me and you, we on the same, team. On the same team. So if there is discord in our marriage, there is an enemy trying to bring it mm -hmm. here. If there is a challenge in our finances, there is an enemy trying to bring it here. And literally what began to happen to us is that because we were willing to shift our mindset in that, the Lord literally began to teach us how one could put a thousand in flight, but two could put 10,000 in flight. And we became very aware that when the enemy was trying to bring accusation, when, when the enemy is trying to bring accusation to me about you that's because he wants an in place to be able to be to be destructive he wants to tear some stuff up and you really there need as a champion there ought to be something in you that literally is almost gangster like that some enemy would think he go come in your life destroy your marriage destroy your kids destroy your finances destroy your mind and you just go sit back and take it and obedience is how you turn that captivity well we tell people it's no secret we tell people that is that was the steps we took even though we didn't know that's what we were doing we didn't have a whole picture at the time, but that's how we turned our marriage around, though. When because when when we believe God enough to take Him at His word, 
take him seriously by obeying his instruction. That's how you know that you take him seriously. Not because you say, oh, I love you. But when he gives you an instruction, do you follow his instruction? Because Jesus said many times, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. So he says, if you love me and you take my word seriously, then obey my instructions. And anytime you do that, deliverance will manifest in your life. And that is literally what happened with our marriage. Deliverance in that area of our marriage began to manifest because we took God seriously, but we started following his instruction rather than our own instruction. That's right. You That's know, right. God wants it, it is it is the will of God to turn our captivity. It's the will uh, of God to turn you, our you, captivity. You can, you can look back at the children of the Old Testament, the children of Israel, and even though they were disobedient to God, every time they called out to God, what did he do? He rescued he them. He rescued them because he he's he's a he's a God who wants his children to be out of captivity. Yes. But he also loves us enough that he gives us the opportunity to make our own life choices. He says, I set before you today life and death, or I set before you blessings and curses. He said, if you don't know which one to choose, please choose, choose life. life. Choose life. Choose life. Why? Because I want to rescue you, but we don't have to live in this perpetual state of you always being in a bad situation and me having to rescue you. You know, it's 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 a it's a sick relationship mm. uh when you when when the relationship is it ha has to be that someone has to be abused and rescued, abused and rescued. Abuse and rescue. He says, I don't want that kind of relationship with my children. I want my children to live in freedom. I, I want yes. what Jesus did on the cross was supposed to be a one-time deal. It got us out of captivity forever. He says, now we can live outside of that captivity if we're obedient. He yes. wants us to walk in total life victory, but he needs our faith expressed in obedience. Say this, say, God wants me to live free. God wants me to live free. You got to get that in your heart. God wants me to live free. If God ever tells you not to move to a city, freedom is attached to oh, you I not like moving. That. I like that. Yeah. If God ever tells you to move to a yeah, city, freedom, freedom is, is attached to that. If God ever tells you not to be friends with a person or not to date a person, your freedom is attached to yes. that. If God says, don't get the car now, your freedom I is attached it. to that. Get to the point that when God gives you an instruction, all you can see over that instruction is freedom. Yeah. He if he told me to go to therapy, freedom. Yeah. If, if if he told me to fast for three weeks, freedom. Whatever he's telling me has freedom attached to it. And the problem is, we many of us we practice disobedience, and that's why we have so many scars. Oh. That's why we carry so many scars. It's not because the world has whooped us. It's not because God is an angry God. Disobedience got us into all of those scars. Why? Because you just said that when we obey God, we it's that freedom is on the other end of that. Three of our kids have scars that will not go away. Yes. Because they were <laughs> physical told, scars. They have physical scars that will not go away because they were told not to do something and they continue to do it. Mm -hmm. They continue to do it and they ended up in this place of pain that God never intended them to be in, right? And this is so... And important. even though they're healed from it, they still, still, got still, they still got a scar and there was still trauma attached to it because they remember the pain of what happened when they were disobedient. And that's happened to all of us and we, we shouldn't want that in the natural and we shouldn't want it in the spirit. And here's a really good example. Because, and, and, and this is a good example where people feel like their disobedience is legitimate. Someone takes advantage of you. 
Maybe you were raped. Maybe someone molested you. Maybe your father wasn't there. Something like that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And in the world, the world tells you, you shouldn't forgive them. They don't deserve forgiveness. They're horrible people. And it may be true that they're horrible people. And it may be true that they don't deserve it. And the, but you deserve but it. But you deserve it. You deserve to be free. You deserve to be yeah. free. And this is, I used to work at Rape Crisis. And this is what I used to tell people. Here's what you don't understand. When you don't release the person who injured you, not only did they injure you, but you stay attached to them so they continue to mm -hmm. inflict. And here's the problem. Your mind does not know the difference between what's real right. and what's not. Right. I'm going to prove it to you. Anybody ever had a dream and you woke up running, you woke up with your heart beating fast because you had a dream, but nothing was really chasing you. Yep. Anybody ever been in their house, you know you're in your house by yourself, you hear a noise and now you start to imagine all these things and your body starts to respond. Yes. Your body it doesn't know the difference because your mind doesn't know the difference. True. So when someone betrays me and I keep reliving that betrayal, I keep telling that story. I keep talking about how I'm going to hold this grudge. I keep doing that. I don't realize that, yes, what they did to me, they did to me in 2000. But I've been telling the story for 21 years. Mm. So for 21 years, I have been allowing the enemy to use what they did one time to inflict terror on me for 21 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. And so it is so important that when we for when we when someone injures us, I want you. Here's another thing that will set you free in the in line with this. When someone injures you, practice forgiving them immediately mm -hmm. before your feelings can catch up, before they apologize, practice forgiving. I want you to begin to say nothing that anyone has done to me is worth my peace. Nothing that anyone has done to me is worth me holding on. I And then this is what you do. You say, God, I choose to forgive them. Now you help me heal. Yeah. Now you help me heal. So that's a good example of a place where we think our disobedience is justifiable. And we could even find people who would tell us that it's justifiable. But the problem with that is that it goes against the kingdom and it just keeps us in a form of captivity. So if there's someone you need to forgive today, even if your heart is still broken, even if you are still angry, I want you to say to the Lord, I choose to forgive. Now help me heal. Yeah, because when we refuse to do truth, we are rejected truth. Oh, when we, when we refuse, when we to, refuse do. to do truth, we are rejecting. Truth. We're rejecting truth. So you're in, if you refuse to do it, in essence, it's like you're saying it doesn't exist. Mm. You're saying that what, that what what you're saying doesn't exist. Why? Because I refuse to do it. It only benefits you when you actually do the word. To, to, to not do the word is for the word to be non-existent for you. Oh, my God. I love what Sheila just said. She says, when someone injures you, practice forgiving them immediately before it becomes entrenched in your soul. Mm -hmm. That is why we want to obey quickly, mm -hmm. because if we obey quickly, even if something happens, we literally can get it off of us before it can attach to us. Because right? if it gets entrenched, now you got to dig it up. Now you got to dig it and, up. And That's digging really it up is good. not all. I mean, our soul is like a computer. Once it's entrenched, it's hard to get that to get that data out of there. Uh, you know, and, it, and that's why we have things like the forgiveness exercise, because you have to dig that stuff up. But if you practice forgiving quickly, she's 100 percent correct. It won't get entrenched in your soul. I want everybody to say this. Say, I, I quickly obey God. I, I want you to set a new God. precedent. I quickly obey God. Yep. You are a person. I want you to change how you 
see yourself. If you've been a person who's delayed in your obedience, today make a decision. You become a new person. I quickly obey God. And here's why you got to obey quickly. Because when you don't obey God quickly, you create your, your own captivity. Mm. You create your own captivity when you don't obey quickly. Anytime you don't obey quickly, it's almost like you didn't step into a jail cell. You're putting yourself into captivity because we know that freedom is on the other side of obedience. Well, if freedom is on the other side of obedience, then captivity has to be on the other side of disobedience. My God. Say that one more time. I like if that. freedom is on this side of obedience, then captivity is on this side of disobedience. So we get to choose whether we live in freedom or we live in captivity. If I don't obey God quickly, then I end up leaning toward that place of captivity because whatever I, whatever I think on, will become my action. So if I think about being disobedient, if I think about not obeying God, if I think about whether I have to do it or not, I'm going to find myself not obeying God. Why? Because the Bible tells me that my flesh is enmity against God. My flesh is looking for the opportunity to disobey God. So if I contemplate disobeying God, my flesh is going to be like, yeah, high five, let's go home. Let's go over here and disobey God. And if I do that, I'm going to find myself in captivity, having to cry out to God to come and rescue me. And he will, but there's trauma and scars with disobedience. I want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. You teaching so good, I'm going to buy your lunch today. Oh, good. You teaching you, <laughs> wherever you want, whatever you want for lunch, I'm going to buy your lunch because you okay. teaching so good today. Listen, this is so important. Guys, is this a practical teaching that you understand how you can apply? You must be quick to obey God. Yeah. Don't give the enemy permission to talk you out of what God said. And if you say, Pastor I'm not sure if it's God. Let me tell you something. You would rather be failed trying to obey God than not trying to obey God. And the thing I love about God is that he's so gracious that even when we have tried to obey him and made mistakes, he has been so faithful to us because our heart was to obey. That's the most important thing, guys. You guys got to set your heart to have a heart that is my heart. Listen, I may miss it, miss it sometimes. But my heart wants to, you in Cody's church, they say, my, my soul seeks mm -hmm, to please him. Mm -hmm. You've got to grow from being a person that is looking to see how much you can get away with and still be blessed to being a person that says, my heart is to obey God. I may mess up, but my heart is to obey you. I may say the wrong thing. I may get upset and go off. I might I may, pop off. I might <laughs> pop off, but my, my heart, heart yes. is to obey God. Because if you will get that heart to obey God, he can train you. Here's the thing. No, that's right. When you don't have yeah. a heart to obey, he can't even train you. Because your heart's been seared. Because so when, you have mm. a, when you have a pliable heart, uh, a pliable heart instead of a stony heart, that, that, that that's an indication that it can be molded. That pliable heart can be molded. So you may miss it. And then you, when you miss it, Holy Spirit will talk to you. And then you'll go, okay, I can't do that again. So what do I need to do to put in place to do that? I need to get the word on this. I need to do this. I need to practice this. Sometimes go, not going off on people is a practice. It's you a have practice. To practice not going off. You know, we used to say all the time, we, we still tell our kids this, if you sit around and you talk about, if somebody say something to me, I know exactly what I'm going to say. And then you be practicing what you say and then it happened and then you live it out. It's like, well, you practice that. Well, in the same way you can practice going off on somebody, you can practice restraint. You can practice self-control. You can practice long suffering. You can practice patience. You can practice those things, but it has to be intentional. It's a soul work. It's not a spirit work. We know our spirit man is perfect, but the soul work is where we have to put in some, some, some demonstrated work. And, and this is the thing. 
I slapped somebody that I really liked because I kept meditating on how I would slap people. Yeah. I really did. And it, it's, it's one of the, it, it, it's, it, it's funny, but it's also, it's the indication of what happens when you meditate in your heart. And I used to say all the time, I would be like, if you walk up on me and catch me by off guard, I'll slap you in your face, right? Literally, I would just say it. And we were out somewhere <laughs> yep. and somebody that I really, really like walked up and grabbed me to hug me. And I- But they grabbed you like this. They grabbed me like that, yeah. but they were just playing yeah. And I slapped them in their face. And I was so embarrassed that I slapped them, right? And the Lord told me, you did that because it was in your heart, mm -hmm. because you kept meditating on it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, particularly those of you who quit to fight, those of you who quit to pop off, here is an area that will help you. Stop meditating on what you will say or do that contradicts the word. Yep. Stop saying if they do this to me, I'll get them told. Stop saying it yeah. because if you put it in your heart at the inappropriate time, it's going to ooze out mm -hmm. because what's in your heart in abundance is going to manifest in your life. Your does. life today is a does. sum total of what has been in your heart yeah. and now it has come out and make made a life. And the Lord said to me, even now, because the truth of it is, is that I can be really quick with my mouth and really quick like to be like, well, I would punch you. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is like, at this point, the Lord is like, I don't even want you to tell stories anymore right. about thing about when your kids say if somebody did this to them in college, you say, well, when I was in college, this is what I did. He said, I want you to get all of that out of your heart. So the enemy cannot put you in a position so that those things happen and you revert back to that. It is not enough to be born again. You must let the word renew your mind. So you must say things like this. At the end of the day, if somebody says something inappropriate to me, what I'm going to do is obey God in my yeah, response. Yeah. That don't mean I'm going to be a punk. That doesn't mean I'm not right. going to address it. Right. What it simply means is that I will not disobey God in order to get them told. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and the Bible is full of examples of people who obey God in difficult situations. Yes. You know, one of the ones that we talk about all the time, and then I know you probably want to talk about naming, but one of the ones we talk about is the woman in Elijah. You know, here it is, this man of God shows up and this woman literally is about to cook a, 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 her last meal for her and her son. And the Bible tells us that he he asked the woman for some water, you know, which is it's kind of funny because it's like somebody is getting ready to cook their last meal and you interrupt them and ask them for some water. And the woman was like, all right, I give you some water. But what people don't what people miss in that story, though, is the scripture actually says when he talked to Elijah, he said, I've already commanded. I've already commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So the woman already had a word. It wasn't that she was unaware. She had a word that, 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 that God was going to ask her for something. She may not have known it was going to be her last meal, but it was something that God had already communicated with her because he told Elijah he had communicated. it. So when Elijah shows up and he asked her for some water, the woman says, sure, I'll give you some water. He says, oh, and while you're at it, go ahead and make me a little something to eat. And she said, look here, man of God, I, I ain't lying to you. I ain't got but a little oil and a little meal. I was just about to make this for me and my son. We was going to eat it, go in the house, and basically we were going to starve to death because we didn't have nothing left. He says, go and make me some first. 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 Go do it first. Don't, don't, don't make me, don't make, y'all don't eat and give me what, make me some first. 
first. And at that point, that woman had the opportunity to either obey God or disobey God. Well, we know that she obeyed God because we read about the fact that she didn't die of starvation. <laughs> she didn't die, she didn't of, starvation. die of starvation. What did she do? She went in, she obeyed, what, not just what the people always say, she obeyed the man of God. She obeyed God. That's who commanded her. She obeyed God. She did what God said. She made the man something some to eat first. And the Bible says that her and her son did eat many days. And we've studied that out. And we found out that she ate throughout that famine, which is about three years. About three years. But here's the thing. She obeyed God because she had committed to obey God before the man of God showed up. And this is one of the things. And that's why I keep saying to people, yes. people be like, oh, she obeyed the man of God. Okay. But she obeyed God. She did what God said. The man of God was one who, who, who was the conduit for her to be able to obey what God had told her. This really helped me as a pastor. The Lord told me, he said, Sean, you can't get upset with people who don't follow your instructions, who don't follow mine. I, I promise. He, he was like, they don't listen to me and you represent me. If they don't listen to me, how would you expect them to rep to listen to you? So we, the thing is, is that people need to give their heart to God first and then they can obey the other instructions. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, I want to talk about Naaman because yep. I think that Naaman, we really can. It's in Second Kings, the fifth chapter. I'm not going to pull up all the scriptures on it, but this is a really good story here. And I love this because you got to understand that Naaman was a man of prestige. Mm -hmm. He was the captain of the host of the king of Syria, right? He was a great man. He had a lot of victories under his belt. He was known. You know what I'm saying? Naaman was the man. He was famous. He was famous, <laughs> but Naaman had... A, he was not only famous, but he had an end with the king. Mm -hmm. So he was famous. And then he had an end with the biggest authority mm -hmm. in the king of Syria. Right. Naaman had a problem. He had leprosy. Leprosy was the thing he couldn't get off mm -hmm. of him. Leprosy was the it was thing. his shame. Leprosy was his shame. Yeah. Leprosy was the thing that all of the battles couldn't get rid of. That's right. All of the money couldn't get no rid of. Many, all of the medals right. couldn't get that's rid right. of. And so the person who's sitting here with some shame that you've tried to cover up with accomplishments, Ooh. I want to show you on, how man. God can turn this around. Because many of Come us on. are still walking around here. And yes, you have a better credit score than you've ever had, but you're still carrying some leprosy. Mm. Yes, you have a relationship, but you're still carrying some leprosy. But I want to show you what Naaman learned how to do that changed his life. Mm -hmm. So Naaman has leprosy and Naaman's wife has a servant girl and the servant girl is from Israel. And she begins to say to her, her mistress, and I don't think she just said it one time because very rarely do people just follow the right. instruction the first time. She begins to say to her mistress, she says, listen here, I just wish Naaman could get to the man of God in Israel because the man of God in Israel could heal him. I think she kept talking to the wife while they was doing stuff and then the wife started talking to Naaman. And I believe that Naaman was probably like, listen here, Naaman had probably tried, he had access, He he's influential, he's famous and he has access to the king. You know what that means? Because we don't read in the Bible about anybody being uh, healed of leprosy through medicine. Through medicine. Everybody who had leprosy that we know of who were healed were healed supernaturally. They were supernatural. But but I bet you he had tried all the medicine. I, I absolutely. I bet had. you if it was in modern day and he was watching TV late at night when them commercials came on and said, we can get rid of your leprosy in 21 days. I bet he had ordered and, and you know, and they had bought UPS on a camel, everything that he could get. They had brought it to him and nothing had worked. And I believe that finally he, so he finally goes to the king, tells the king and the king writes a letter. 
The king writes a letter to explain he why Naaman, king. he had an end with the king. The king writes a letter to get Naaman access to it, to get Naaman access to the king of Israel. Mm -hmm. He shows up with this letter and says, listen here, y'all got a prophet here who heals people of leprosy and I want to be he a heal. The king of Israel gets scared. He says, what kind of trick is this? Who can heal from leprosy? Mm -hmm. That lets you know how big it is. Some of you are having some things like that. You're like, that's too big to be healed, right? But somebody said to the king, they said, wait a minute. It lies. It really is a man of God. It really here. is a man of God. Mm -hmm. So now they didn't got permission. They go to Elijah's house. Now remember what I told y'all that um I told y'all that Naaman. Naaman was famous. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, he was a big deal. Naaman was a big deal. And people who are a big deal, they don't like it when they're not treated as a big deal mm -hmm. when they think they ought to be treated as mm -hmm. a big deal. Child, let me tell you something. He show up with all his chemical camels and all his servants and stuff. And, and Elijah sends someone to the door. He sends his servant to the door. And the guy, I'm sure he goes through his spiel. I'm naming from Syria and I've come for Elijah to heal me. He's the man of God and I have leprosy. And they don't even invite him in. The man of God, don't. the servant don't even invite him in. He calls the door, he go back and he comes back and he says, um, he says, go wash in the Jordan for seven days. Go wash in the Jordan. Go wash in the Jordan for seven days. That dirty, the man, dirty, nasty, muddy Jordan, Jordan. Go wash in the Jordan. And Naaman got hot. Yes, he did. Naaman got hot. Naaman's pride. And I just want to tell you this. I don't he care. felt so disrespected. He felt so disrespected. I want you to know, I don't care what kind of big deal you are in the world, in the kingdom, everybody's required to bow. Yep. In, in the kingdom, everybody required to be humble. I don't care who know your name in the world. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, everybody is required yep. to be humble, right? And so he says to, he said, he gets upset and he, you know, he is all up in his, swole up in his He's chest. He's ready to take his whole entourage back. Yes, yes. he is upset. And then he was going to go back. That was going to get the king upset. Yep. They was likely going to have a war, but he had a wise servant. Yep. That's why you ought to surround yourself with some wise mm -hmm. people. Even the people who work under you mm -hmm. ought to be wise. Mm -hmm. They ought to be able to hear from God. Mm -hmm. And he says to him, if he had asked you, to do something that you thought was important, mm -hmm. would you have done it? Mm -hmm. Man, man, go and wash in the Jordan. And so thankfully, Naaman had the wherewithal mm -hmm. to listen to his servant, mm -hmm. but he was told to dip seven times. Mm -hmm. So he dipped the first time and didn't nothing happen. Yep. He dipped the second time and didn't nothing happen. He dipped, it wasn't until the seventh time that he dipped and he came. And each time he dipped, he had the opportunity to stop. He had the opportunity to stop. And sometimes when God tells us to do something, he'll give us a series of instructions, but he only gives you the first instruction first. You do the first instruction and what you expected on the end doesn't show up. It's your opportunity to quit. But are you willing to obey God again? Are you willing to obey God for the next step and the second step and the third step and the fourth step and the fifth step and the sixth step and the seventh step? Because your seventh step may be your breakthrough. Maybe it's your ninth step. But that's why we say when you practice obedience, practice. then you know that as long as you're obeying God, whatever your desired outcome is, is going to show up. Now, this is important. This is so important because then we're going to give you all some steps about what you can learn from Naaman. Mm -hmm. But check it. So Naaman gets healed and he goes back to Elijah. And Elijah 
still don't come to the door. Now the man done got healed and he want to give Elijah all of these gifts. And Elijah says, we don't want those gifts. Now is not the time to receive gifts. And, and, and his servant saw all of those gifts. He saw all of that gold in those outfits. And he was like, well, it don't make sense that this man brought this to give this to the man of God. And, and we don't take it. So he follows Naaman and he gets an outfit and some money. And he comes back and he doesn't say a word to Elijah, but Elijah knows it because he perceives by the spirit. And, and his servant ends up with the leprosy that had just come off of Naaman. Mm -hmm. Understand that in obedience, part of walking with God is knowing when it's a time to touch something. And when it's a time not to touch yeah. something, when it's a time to move forward and it's a time not to move forward and understanding the importance of following those who you are submitted to. Come on. His servant was submitted to him and then disobey what the what we call his master, disobey what his spiritual father, disobey what his leader, disobey what his pastor instructed him to do in that situation. And so he literally brought up on himself, his disobedience activated the curse of leprosy to come into his life. Obedience is a serious matter. It is. It's a serious matter. <laughs> and I'm going to say what I say all the time. This don't mean God doesn't love you because God loved people who chose to go to hell. That's true. He loves your right to choose so much. He will let you choose hell. He will let you choose to be a born again believer and be terrorized every day because you won't obey. Obedience is a serious matter. So we want to tell you five secrets that we have learned from Naaman's encounter. Mm -hmm. Number one, you really need to get this. Mm -hmm. None of us are so important that God will modify his instructions for us. That's right. He loves us, but he doesn't modify his instructions. Just nobody, he loves us. nobody is so important that God will modify his instructions for us. Mm -hmm. What God tells us to do, he expects us to do. And just because it doesn't seem like we got an immediate consequence doesn't mean that there wasn't a consequence for that disobedience. Yeah. Yeah. None of us are so important that God yeah. will modify his instructions yeah. for us. And then number two, no instruction that the Lord gives us is beneath us. No instructions are no beneath instru us. It doesn't matter about your title. It doesn't matter about your status. It doesn't matter about your socioeconomic level. It doesn't matter about your gender or your race. Whatever instruction God gives you, it is not beneath you. If God says to you, hey, you, I mean, you can be the, the, the presiding bishop of our whole entire organization. If God says, hey, I want you to go and clean the bathroom, that instruction is not beneath you. That instruction is not beneath so you. So understand that whatever God asks you to do, it's not beneath you. If God asks you to get up and pray at a certain time, it's not beneath you. God asks you to give a certain amount, it's not beneath you. God asks you to fast for a certain period, it's not beneath you. God asks you to share work, it's not nothing God asks you to do is beneath you. And, and, and you, you have to stop seeing it as, well, I've graduated from that. No, anytime God asks you to do something, it is exactly what you need to be doing. It is exactly what you need to be doing. Number three, instructions must be completed to get results. Praise God. Instructions <laughs> must be completed, completed to get results. And one of the things that you've taught us from an educational standpoint is the problem with a lot of people is that they do not follow instructions with fidelity. They don't. What does that mean? For example, you get someone's eating plan because you want the results they got 
in seven days. Mm -hmm. And then you modify the eating plan. Mm -hmm. And then you say their plan didn't work. No, your plan didn't work. Right. You didn't implement their plan with fidelity. Because you don't even actually know if their plan worked because you didn't ever do their plan. Because <laughs> you modified it before you tried it to the, the way it was outlined. So we can't say that God's word doesn't work when we only do a portion of the word and a portion of our own thing. So we, we had no fidelity to God's word. I tried that. It's like somebody's like, well, I've been, I've been tithing for a month and nothing happened. But you 47, but you 47. And so you think you, you did it for a month. Instructions must be completed to get results. Mm -hmm. Number four. Number four, obedience. Even obedience that doesn't make sense will turn our captivity. We've been number four is what we've been talking about for three weeks. The secret to turning captivity is what? Obedience. How do you turn captivity? By obeying God. We saw it in the in the in the in the, in the old testament. We see it in the New Testament. When people obey God, captivity can't hang around. And this is so important. I really like this one because you know, people really do. People ask us for advice so much, and, and I consider that an honor that they think we're wise enough to tell them something. But one of the things that I have found a lot of times with people is that when we're telling them what we did to change our lives, how we got in the word, how we did certain things, they're looking for appeal. They're looking for mm -hmm. a magic touch that will do it. Right. And so, for example, like there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. People will reach out to us about Jordan yeah. and we will tell them the work that we did regarding Jordan, how we took a faith position, how we use scripture, how for a year everybody in the family laid hands on Jordan almost every single day, how we commanded her language to come forth, how we changed her diet, how we took her to the speech therapist, right? And how we spent so much time in the word. So we tell them the spiritual things and the natural things. Yes. And then they will will say they will want there to be something else. They will start out doing it and they may do it three days or three weeks. And then they'll say, I didn't get a breakthrough. We did it until we saw what God said. Follow the instructions until you get the results. I told somebody once we were talking about this. I said, they said, they said, it seems like this just takes forever. I said, the reason we never cared about how long it took because we already saw what it looked like. We already saw when you what it already like. see what something looks like. You don't care how long it, it's, it's like it's just going through the process. You do, you, you're, you're, you're so focused on the end result and you already know in your heart what it looks like that going through the days doesn't matter. You know, uh, it, I mean, I guess it did take years. If you think about it, in it, hindsight, it took years from from when she was in pre-kindergarten to, to even to, before to, that. I mean, yeah, but I'm saying from the time when she was in pre-kindergarten, when they tested her up until the time when she was in the, you know, say, seventh or eighth grade, when we started seeing all these results. That's a lot of time. But it didn't seem like a lot of time to us because we just kept knowing what God said it was going to look like. We knew what God, I, I'll never forget very early on when Jordan wasn't talking and they said she wasn't going to talk, you had a dream and you saw yep. Jordan graduating from high school. You could not hear what she was saying, but you heard her talking yep. to you. We took that dream. If you can see she was it. In in a, a, and it was funny because I actually saw in the dream, I told you she was in a blue, uh, an entire blue, um, uh, graduation thing. And at that time, Harbor High School was not in existence. But here she is at Harbor High School, and that's where she's going to graduate from. And what are their colors? Blue and white. Their so, colors are blue and white. It's so important that when God tells you something, and, and this is a thing that will help you, um, in it will help you in your obedience. 
When God tells you something, ask him to give you a vision of what the victory looks like. Yeah. And then if you focus on the victory, you don't worry about the instructions. You just do it. That's what, that's why Sheila Galatians 6, it says, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, you will reap if mm -hmm. you don't faint. Yeah. That leads us to number five, yeah. man. If we are unwilling to obey, we are disqualified from receiving even though Man. it's already been Man. provided for us. We forfeit what belongs to us through disobedience. There have been times, not just for our kids, for other people, there have been times that you and I have prepared to give someone something. Mm -hmm. And all they had to do was follow the instruction. The money was already there. The situation was already taken care of, but they wouldn't follow the instruction. The money set aside for them, yeah. but they wouldn't follow the instruction. Yeah. If we are unwilling to obey, we are disqualified from receiving, even though it's already been provided for us. And, and, and he doesn't disqualify us. We do. We disqualify us. So it's not like God is like, oh, if you don't obey me, I'm going to get you back. He's like, no, I've already set out the path for your victory. I just need you to take the path. And I think that that's so important. There are two paths. Yeah, there is. The, there is nothing neutral. We're going to wrap up here. There are, you can get ready to give. Listen, there's nothing. You, you need to understand this. There is no neutral action. You are either in obedience or you are not. Mm -hmm. There is no neutral action. There are no neutral actions in the kingdom. You're either in obedience or you're not. Mm -hmm. So when God gives us an instruction, he is saying, this is the way to the blessed life. When we choose to go our own way, whenever we choose to do our flesh's bidding, all we can end up with is demonic destiny because our flesh is always going to lead us to stealing killing and destroying. We don't have to live that way. We can choose to obey God. I love it. We can choose to obey God because when we choose to obey God, we're on the blessed path. Mm -hmm. When I choose to disobey God, it's one of the reasons, I, and you know I say this all the time, I can never be a prophet who tells people they're about to be blessed without telling them they have to mm -hmm. obey God. Because I think that it is a misrepresentation to tell people, the kingdom is not the Oprah show. You not just about to get a car because you showed up here right. in the kingdom, increase, provision, blessing, freedom come from doing it God's way. You can be in the kingdom doing it your own way and other people around you will be getting blessed and it's not flowing in your life. It is not because God prefers those people over you. It is because you are choosing to go your own way. I love what Leslie said. It's so simple. Just obey. Just obey. <laughs> Just obey. Just obey. The key to turning your captivity is to obey the Lord's instructions. And we talk about this all the time. We're talking about obeying his universal instructions, which are found in his word, but then also following Holy Spirit's instruction, which is your unique instruction for your unique life in your unique situation. I've that so many times since you said that. I mean, it's true. It's like there are universal things that God expects all of us to do, but there, there are other people who are not on the same path or trajectory that I am in life. So God gives them different instructions. There are other people I'm not on their path. And there are some people who we're on the same 
path, but because of the way God wants to do it, those instructions are different. That's right. So we have to obey God universal instructions, but also his unique instructions. I want to end with this with this scripture that we had. I don't want to skip it because I think it goes into what we what we want to ask him to do this week. Okay. But I want you to look at 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, uh, 9 through 11. It's from the Passion Translation. And just listen to what it says. It says, but you are God's chosen treasure. Mm -hmm. Somebody I'll put in the comment section, God picked me. God, picked, God me. picked me. If God picked me, that means he wanted something great for me. It says that you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation that's been set apart as God's devoted ones. When God calls mm -hmm. us out of darkness mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. his marvelous good, light, man. we become his, we become his, we're devoted to him and he's devoted to us. Yes. We're his devoted ones. It says he called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Why come into the kingdom? Why come out of darkness to come into light only to still be blinded through disobedience? Mm. He says, I've called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. It says, and now he claims you as his very own. Yes. He did this so that you would broadcast his, his glorious wonders throughout, throughout the world. world. How do we do that? Through obedience. Yes. He then says this, he says, time, for at one time, you were, <laughs> you were not God's people. There was a time we were out there. We were not in the kingdom. We were, we were doing our own people. thing. We were not his people. He says, but now you are. Are we somebody are ought to give God people. some praise? We are God's people right now. People. He says, At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't yet received it. He said, But now you are drenched, drenched in the you mercy are of God, drenched in the mercies of God. And because we are drenched in the mercies of God, it actually makes it easy for us to obey. When we understand this relationship that he's created, that we have become his devoted ones, that he's gotten us out of darkness into his marvelous That's light, so good. then my goodness, obedience does not become a hard task for me. You know, God's not a hard task, man. He's not. What he's asking me to do is not a difficult thing. He gives me the power and the ability to obey him. And then he gives me everything I need to walk out that obedience. Yes, thank God. And so it's, it's, you know, so this week, one of the things that when you were talking about naming, one of the things that we had talked about is we say we want to ask the people some questions. And here's one of the questions. What are you angry about? that God has asked you to do. Because if God's asked you to do something and you're angry about it, then right then we know that you're not that you're not that willing and obedient participant. And that you don't see that it's attached to your freedom. And you see it as something that's hard. Yes. You don't see it attached to your freedom. You see it as hard and you're not willing and obedient. So ask yourself, be, be, be self-reflective, be self-aware, become metacognitive. Think about why you're doing things. And ask the Holy Spirit to tell you, because sometimes you can lie to yeah, yourself. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah. You, you don't know, really know yourself. Absolutely. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what am I angry yes. about that God has asked me to do? Yes. Number two, what do I think is beneath me, Holy Spirit? Mm. Holy Spirit, what have you asked me to do that mm -hmm. I think is beneath me, that I think is unnecessary? Mm. Mm. And then number three, what obedience do you continue to start 
but fail to complete. Because if you remember, one of the five things we learned from Naaman is that obedience must be completed. Obedience must be completed. It's like when you go to the hospital and they say, hey, I need you to take this medicine for 10 days. You start feeling better after six and then you stop taking the medication. And then before you know it, the infection is bad. Just because you feel better doesn't mean you don't need to complete the process. And just because God begins to bless you before the entire thing is complete, doesn't mean you need to stop. Absolutely. Don't choose maintenance when freedom is available. I love it. Somebody ought to put that in the comments. Don't choose maintenance. Many of us start, just like you said, with that rant. I don't choose maintenance when freedom is available. I don't choose maintenance when freedom is available. Yep. So we hope you'll take this teaching and you will use it. We encourage you to listen to it again, to really don't just ask yourself those questions. Ask the Holy Spirit because he can't lie. Right. And he will tell you the truth. And sometimes he'll tell you some stuff about your truth to yourself that That you you didn't know, that you didn't know, that you didn't even know was hiding in there. Yep. Again, if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord or give your life to the Lord for the first time today, because you're like, man, I really need to do this. I really, I need to change my way. I, I, I need to give, have I ever given my life to the Lord? Mm. Maybe I went to church, but did I ever give my life to Jesus? Right. Not to Fellowship of Champions Church, but does my life belong to Jesus? If you want to give your life to Jesus today, or you want to come back home, and if you're out here in a backslidden state, will you please come back home? And if you need a, if you need a place to connect to that's going to teach you the word foc is a good place FOC to do is it. a good place you can actually become a virtual partner with us you can become a virtual partner just the link is on your screen all you got to do is go to www.focchurch.com you can scroll down just a little ways there's an entire partnership form there you fill that out it comes to us we take it we respond back to it and and, and we've had people who not only just because you can have partnership with us and still belong to another church but we've got people who saying listen this this is my church home so when they fill out the form, they actually say, hey, listen, I want to be a, 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 they call it a member. They say, I want to be a member of FOC. We explain that membership is like partnership. But if this is what you want to call home, we don't care where you live. You can, you can be in Tokyo. You can be in Singapore. You can be in Brisbane, Australia. You can be in London. You can be in Paris. You can be in South Africa. You can be in Kenya, Nigeria. We believe in for partners all over the world and all in every 50 states. And so what I want to say is that we'd love to have you be a partner, but don't have your name on this role and your name isn't written right, in the language right. of the get it, get it right. So if you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal savior or you want to come back home, let's just pray the prayer. And if you're a person who prayed the prayer today, whether that's a prayer to come back home or whether that's a prayer for the first time, you can put it in the comments or you can put it in a message. But let's just pray this prayer. And, and if you want to give your life to Jesus, it's a very simple thing. You just have to acknowledge that you need saving, mm-hmm. that you are you are a sinner who needs saving and that you believe in what Jesus has done and that you want to be a part of this family. And if you just want to be a re- if you say, you know, I, I'm saved. I want to. But I want to recommit. I want to recommit. I've let some things slip and I want to recommit. You can do that today as well. So let's just do that. Pray this Father God in the name of Jesus. Father God in the name of Jesus. I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for me. I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for me. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross for me. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I invite Jesus to be my Savior. And I invite Jesus to be my Savior. And my Lord. And my Lord. Cleanse me of all sin. Cleanse me of all my sins. And all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness and make me new and make me new according to your word, according to your word. Holy Spirit, feel me, Holy Spirit, 
feel me? Because I can't do this alone. Because I cannot do this alone. Today, I give my life to Jesus. Today, I give my life to Jesus. The entirety of my the life. The entirety of my life. And I believe it's a done deal. And I believe it's a done deal. In Jesus' name, In amen. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, if you Jim says she wanted to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Malicia says that she oh, wants good. to. Okay. Um, um, Jim says, she says, I've been watching you all for a year in my family and I finally partnered today. Welcome, oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're super excited yes, to have you. Yes. Felicia said, I wanted to, I rededicated my life to the Lord Jesus today. And I think it's so easy. Those of you, even when you're talking to your friends, it's so easy to think that because everybody's saying amen and they're attending church that they're in right standing with God. But I have talked to people who went to church for years and no one ever asked them if they were saved. I want to know, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him? In the coaches church, you say, if you die tonight, will will you lift up your eyes in hell. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. how we used to know. Right. We used to ask the question. We said that our so it's, it's important to ask people the question. It's important <laughs> to ask people the question. Do you know do Jesus? You know and for those and those of you who rededicated to life today, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Listen, the enemy will try to get you to keep your mouth closed and say, well, everybody already think I'm saved and living right and all that. Whatever, man, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. So we love you guys. It's your opportunity to give mm-hmm. today. The ways to give are through Givelify, Push Pay, Tidally, Text to Give, 833-969-0897, and PayPal at FLCChurchNWA at Gmail. And let me tell you something. Listen. There is something supernatural on your giving yep. in this ministry because this is good ground. Yeah. Obey God. And I promise you, if you give in accordance to the word, he will cause you to increase. Right. So where is it? We're going to do our confession this morning, right? Yes. And before we do the confession, I'll pull We'll get that pulled up. It's still about 90 people or so on the broadcast. Some of them have clicked off. Mentioned to them, we talked about fasting this week again. So we're fasting again this week for Rod McCoy. And if you have anybody else who may be struggling with COVID or any kind of illness, what we're doing is we're asking everybody to not eat until noon. Yeah. And we we ha- and to take a healing scripture, pray over that, meditate over that scripture, see the per see Rod healed and restored, see the person you're believing for healed and restored. Let the word work on your imagination and come into agreement with the will of God, which is that it's his will that everyone be healed. Healing is his will. And there'll right? be something on in each group and on each page. Uh, we can, Are we going to expand we, it we to can, each group this week? Well, I, I took what was ever in the okay. other group. I put in the other group. So it's been in okay. all three groups. Okay. So we'll, we'll continue to do that so that you guys can have whatever scripture we're using to pray. We just ask you guys to be in faith, uh, be in faith. We, we we already know, I keep saying it to people the way that I say it, but we already know what God's already going to do uh, for Rod. So we're just believing that this, this God doesn't operate in time. We do. And so um, we just believe that this, this will be opportunity for Miss Oliver said that she rededicated her life and she said her daughter's father, grandmother and grandfather has COVID. Listen, we okay. put up some scriptures last week that tell us we, we, we have a pharmacist, we have a nurse, we have, we have medical professionals who go to our church who actually help us frame the prayers so that the prayers are in alignment with what needs to happen physically in someone's body yes. when they're facing COVID, right? So we'll the, take those prayers and use them. Just implement the name. Just use them, right? See that and watch God do signs and wonders in the Amen. lives of his people. Amen. 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 So I believe we have, there you go. So here's our healing, I mean, our giving confession. Dear Heavenly Father, as disciples of the living God, 
We honor you today by giving our tithes, offering, and gifts to be used in the fulfilling of the Great Commission. In return of our cheerful obedience, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, yep. raises and bonuses, benefits, benefits sales, sales, and, and commissions. commissions favorable settlements, yep. estates and inheritance, mm -hmm. interest and income, yep. rebates and returns, big, big checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding mm -hmm. money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. We thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessings, and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God Amen. and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to thank you for your continued support. You have taken care of so many people in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. Yep. When you get to heaven and the record is revealed of all the people you have taken care of, you are going to be shocked. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for your continued giving so that the ministry can continue to run. We can continue to expand. We can continue to do the scholarships. We can continue to pay staff and we can take care of those in need. And we appreciate you for your commitment to this ministry. And we pray that God meets all of your needs in abundance. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great day. Remember to join us on Monday for strategies for success on Tuesdays for prayer, Wednesday for Bible study, Thursday, if you have teens or littles, Friday morning for prayer, and then join us back here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. with Pastor Chris and Pastor Ralph, and then on Sunday. We God love bless you guys. You. Have a great week. Bye-bye.